Records fell this week at the quarterback position, whether that be passing touchdowns or rushing yards. Week 15 ended up being a solid week of NFL football with some big blowouts and some big upsets, and week 16 is shaping up to be just as big for the playoff picture. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade Podcast. Growing up in the era of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, guys like that, um, especially I guess the 04 draft class as well, um, I love seeing these guys break these milestones that, you know, all of them collectively have had such great careers, but to see them achieve more than their past, um, you know, the person who broke the record before them, it is just absolutely amazing. Drew Brees uh, broke the touchdown, career touchdown pass uh, amount of 539, which was Peyton Manning's record. Uh, he's currently sitting at 541. Obviously, that's counting. What a day for Drew Brees. And like... In what was one of the greatest QB performances of the last, like, few years, for sure. I mean, low yards per attempt, but goes, what, 28 of 29? 29 of 30. 29 of 30. Broke a record as well, yeah. Like, how how do you... How? That's insane. In the NFL today, to complete all but one pass on 30 attempts, and, like, to come out with four touchdowns, you always take that, but... Yeah, it just goes to show that, I mean, the defense did not show up for the Colts. Uh, it was it was like the Saints were having a practice against air. That's what it kind of looked like. But regardless, Drew Brees has had an absolutely amazing career. Um, you look back early in his career when he was the starting quarterback for the San Diego Chargers at the time. I mean, he had that huge shoulder injury. No one knew if he was going to come back and, and play at a high level. And um, Miami is obviously kicking themselves because they had a chance to sign him when he was a free agent, uh, passed him up because of that shoulder injury. And, and yeah, now... If, like, I mean, he's he's resurrected the, the New Orleans Saints franchise. I know a lot of people hold him accountable for being the face of the franchise um, from the time that the, the, the Superdome got hit by Hurricane Katrina. Like, there's a lot of meaning that goes into Drew Brees. Um, yeah, having this kind of career, especially with the New Orleans Saints for the however many years he's been there now. Since 06, I think. Like, he's a good guy, too. Like, he oh, just, he's an amazing he's guy. He's one of those community. players who it's like, man, like, he got this record, and I I, I was watching the game. Of course, I was going to watch this game. And um, to see, like, his entire team get into it, they're showing the press box with his wife just, like... And his little kids. It yeah. was just, like, it was a cool moment. It was very cool. And, and, him, and him and Tom Brady will be sparring over this for the next little bit. I think Breeze will probably hold it just because their offense yeah. is more efficient. But, I mean, we'll see if... if Brady has a chance to reclaim it if Breeze retires earlier than him or whatever, but for the next, like at least the rest of this season, maybe into next, we'll get to see this record kind of go back and forth, maybe. Potentially, we'll see, we'll see. But you said it last week, I think, about Phillip Rivers, but I think Drew Brees is that guy that you can't not like, and I would almost argue that he's the most likable quarterback in the NFL maybe the last 10, 15 years. Um, Peyton Manning's a pretty funny guy off the field, so I think a lot of people have <laughs> lightened up and, and like Peyton Manning now too, but Drew Brees is one of those guys that you just can't dislike. It's amazing to see him uh, yeah, have that kind of success in his career and to continue to <laughs> perform at this great of a level at the age of 39 is fantastic. It was funny to see kind of two very different records, or, or I guess different eras of records, kind of broken in the same week though. You get um, Drew Brees obviously hitting touchdown pass number 541, and he, along with kind of that 04 draft class, was the last generation of pure pocket passers, kind of. That last, like, there's there's a few here and there, but, like, yeah. the true, like... There's, like, like Stafford, Ryan. Yeah, but, like, the true no-desire-to-run pocket passers. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and in the same week, Lamar Jackson, who is your poster boy for the new breed, uh, breaks Michael Vick's QB rushing record in a season, QB rushing yards in a season record. Yeah, those records are hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting sick and tired of saying that. But no, it, it was amazing for Lamar Jackson to achieve what he has. And Michael Vick did that in 16 games. Lamar did that in, what, 14? Still got two games left on the season. So it's an, it's an amazing accomplishment by him. Um, they were wondering if he would even break the record in that game, and I think he did it in their first drive, or maybe the first quarter. He put up 80... 86 yards 86 rushing, yards, yeah. yeah. So just an amazing day for him. His, clearly that, that hamstring injury or whatever it was wasn't yeah. actually a factor. Yeah, no, questionable means nothing. Um, but yeah, it was great to see him achieve that record as well. We know he's had an, a historic season, so just another milestone in his MVP campaign. You do kind of keep hearing, like, and and it's kind of cool, you know, you, I haven't been a football fan for a super long time. I started watching 2011, but you know, you have these players that um, you kind of want to model your game after when you're playing. And I know for me, it was Wes Welker because I was a skinny, I was tall, but I was, I was a skinny white uh, receiver and Wes Welker was a Patriot at the time. And um, you kind of start to model your game. Until now, like Vic started to change this, but now with Lamar, like his career was obviously had a little bit of an interruption that yeah, but prevented like, this exactly. breed from coming again. Yeah. So with you know QBs, it was always for for kids. Brady was, yeah, was looking Brees. up to these tall white pocket passers, and now like it is exciting. You get Lamar Jackson, and he is as electric a figure as there is in the NFL right now. Like non-football fans know his name non-football fans want to watch what he does on the field because it's it's something so special and i think it'll be cool 15 years from now when you start to see the quarterbacks who are inspired by lamar jackson start to hit the field like football might change forever yeah no i I completely agree that's that's an interesting way of looking at it too because you think about it um tom brady was from california who did he look up to joe montana right so not to say that the person that you look up to is who you model your game after but um who knows? Maybe that could be what happens. It's also just an, an openness for coaches, right? Yeah. Because it used, like... Well, you're saying Greg Roman's going to have a head coaching job next year because oh, of sure. his success with Lamar Jackson. Who Who's he going to get as the next quarterback to fill that offense, yeah. right? Um, it's cool to see how, again, it's a copycat league in the NFL. As soon as they see a player that's electric like this, suddenly teams start shifting their offenses to uh, to accommodate... It has been the West what, Coast offense defenses? has been the big thing in the NFL since since the, since the 49ers. 80s. Yeah, yeah since, 80s and with Bill Walsh. We might be in the process now. We saw the, the beginnings of it in 2011-2012 with Cam, Cam Newton coming yeah. in, Russ coming in and starting to make these plays. But Russell Wilson is still pass first, though. For sure. But we're I think we're, we might be on the, the verge of the next new revolution in NFL offenses. I think we might be. And it, it's hard to find athletes like Lamar Jackson, but it's you also, don't need someone as much of a freak as he is to effectively run an offense like this. Well, and it's hard to say that there's a new revolution coming when there's just one team doing it, but it was Bill Walsh and the 49ers that started the West Coast offense, and every single coach that was there sort of brought it out with them. You look at uh, Mike Holmgren, I want to say, was with the 49ers at the time. He started running at Ed Reed, or Ed Reed, gosh, Andy Reid learned from him. You had John Gruden who learned there too. So you see all these different coaches that um, have coached together that expand this tree of offenses that they all run together. So if Greg Roman is the first catalyst to really spark this change in the NFL, that'd be cool to see. Um, But moving on from talking about sort of quarterbacks and the way that they've changed the game, another notable piece of news from the Saints. They picked up Janoris Jenkins off waivers. 
Um, so for those of you who didn't know, Janoris Jenkins was, I'd say, the number one corner for the New York Giants for the last couple of years. And a good corner. Yeah, a good corner as well. Um, obviously, the Giants not having a good year. He sort of went on some Twitter rant that was replying to a fan and talking about how um, his stats were still good, despite them having a bad year, talking about how good he's been. Um, he obviously used some language as well that was was not tolerated by the Giants. And due to this and some other factors, I'm sure, they cut him. So, yeah, for the Saints to go out and get a guy like this to, uh, to add some depth to their lineup, I mean, it's a good addition for them. I know Eli Apple's sort of been struggling, and he's been their number two corner with, uh, with Marshawn Lattimore as their number one corner there. I'd be interested to see what does this mean for the Saints. Um, obviously, a second corner in the NFC is really important. So the fact that Janoris Jenkins and Marshawn Lattimore are their top two corners is awesome for them. Yeah, a couple of big takeaways from this one for me. First of all, that Janoris Jenkins, he was waived, which meant he was subject to waivers, which meant that the Saints are probably in the high 20s in terms of waiver priority. So there were a lot of teams that just passed on a good player. So he is... Ten and a half million against the cap this year, like eleven next. So there but could it, be a reason why teams that, that definitely would play into it. But there's yeah. a lot of teams that could eat that cap, no problem, and could use a player like him. Fair enough, but a non-playoff team may not want to take him right True. now at this point in time. Teams might have banked on him passing through waivers so that they could have negotiated yeah. a contract. I bet you that cap figure has a lot to do with it. But second big takeaway for me, this gives the New Orleans Saints maybe the best cornerback tandem in football. It's sure up there now with Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. These are two like true not shut down while well, Marshawn Lattimore is pretty darn close but these are are two real number one corners who can like blanket receivers and slow them down quite consistently well and that somewhat gives them an advantage in the NFC but if you think about it most of the teams in the NFC are, are uh, power run offenses so it's kind of interesting I'm trying to think the Seahawks have a, a rather decent uh, wide receiver core the 49ers do as well but again a lot of these offenses their strength is their running game this so... is a team looking super bowl though and i that? mean this is a team looking fair, at fair the enough. super bowl yeah and it's not like the afc has any crazy the chiefs receiving would be threats the best. that are scaring you yeah but... the chiefs the texans they would be the best but yeah. anyway so it's obviously it's if you can upgrade that position why not but uh may not give them the advantage they need considering how run heavy uh, the offenses in the nfc are um, talking about that re- uh, receiving core in Seattle, actually, though, <laughs> Josh Gordon suspended indefinitely. Um, what, the fourth or fifth time this has happened in his career? Josh Gordon will always be, in my mind, one of the, the biggest what-ifs in NFL history. Like, honestly, up there with a guy like Bo Jackson, who looked like he might have been the best running back to ever play in his career, was cut short by a brutal injury, but... Barry Sanders walking away from the game, Calvin Johnson walking away. You go back and you look at Josh Gordon's 2013-2014 highlights, and you see a guy who looks like he could have been one of the most physically gifted receivers in the history of professional football. Um, You see the numbers he put up in 14 games. It was like 1,600 yards. Yeah, he averaged over 120 yards receiving. It was insane with trash quarterbacks. Just absolute garbage throwing him the football in Cleveland. He will be forever, I think, one of the biggest. If this guy had gotten his stuff together, he would have, like, honestly was a surefire Hall of Famer by talent. Um, would have just been a nightmare for defenses. Would have been a source of hope in Cleveland if he had, like, been able to, to stay there and not yeah. get suspended. Yeah, I think this is his fifth time. It's, it's like sad that, yeah. to see a guy who just kind of can't get his life together. And this time it was a little different because the suspension was announced as not only a substance of abuse, but also a performance enhancing drugs. 
Oh, really? Suspension. So it sounds like wow. there was a double violation. Not only was it another drug-related suspension, but also seemingly something with performance-enhancing drugs as part of that too. So It's disappointing. Um, I texted Daniel as soon as I saw this, and I said, I wonder if this is the reason he got cut from New England. Obviously, that happened a long time ago, so that probably wasn't the case. But um, obviously, from a personal level, it's really sad to see this happen. I know that this guy is um, obviously has been trying to work on himself for a long time now, has gone through... Uh, I would imagine quite a bit trying to get over the situations that he's been in in his life. Um, just want to wish him the best personally and hope that everything is okay with him and that uh, he's able to recover, first of all, personally. But if he ever does get on, get back on the football field someday, um, yeah, we love watching him each and every week. So hopefully he's able to get back to that point. But personal comes first. So uh, definitely wishing him the best. And <laughs> talking about wishing people the best, um, it's Good to see people keep their jobs. Uh, this is something that we we found out with the Lions the other day that both ba- Matt Patricia, their head coach, and Bob Quinn, their current GM, are uh, supposed to retain their jobs. Martha Ford, the Lions owner, came out the other day and said that that would be the case. Um, so this was expected to be one of the most, um, I don't know, the... The hottest pos- seat. One of the yeah. hottest seats. Well, yeah. one of the hottest seats, yes, but also one of the positions that could be attractive to coaching uh, prospects potentially. So I was intrigued to see that this, uh, this was announced this early in the season. Um, yeah, I just, I would have never expected both of them to stay. Apparently 2020 is the year though. They said that the third year of his term is going to be when it's they, playoffs are bust for his yeah, job. Yeah, Playoffs are bust. And we're giving him one more year to actually develop the turnaround that, uh, that we want to see in Detroit. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Uh, obviously, it takes <laughs> the Pats a- need a DC. So I mean, if he gets fired, that was fun. <laughs> obviously it takes a couple years to build your system, and we see that happening in Detroit. But I saw something that made a lot of sense to me. Like up until injuries just absolutely derailed their season, they weren't having a terrible season. Um, they were fighting for the division. I remember. I think it was our first episode. We talked about um, how they had just closely lost to the Packers in a game where they should have won, but the refs just absolutely ruined the game in favor of the Packers. I don't know. I feel like it's it's a a tale of two seasons for these guys, really. I feel like, um, yeah, and if you don't know, Bob Quinn was from the Patriots, sorry. He was, I think, assistant GM in New England, uh, and then Matt Patricia was the DC in New England. So both these guys, I don't know. I feel like if you're a Detroit fan, you should have some confidence in these guys going forward, and one more year might not be too bad. Would you have predicted this as a spot, though, where someone could be fired? I think everyone kind of knew there was potential for it. Um, but I just remember at the start of the season, the reports were coming in that people were finally buying into Matt Patricia's system in Detroit. And so it makes sense that um, the Ford family would want to give him another shot just to see if, if he can, <laughs> to a certain extent, be restoring this um, organization to the glory they once had. You'd, like they, they were one of the, the premier teams early in the NFL. They were one of the few juggernauts. They had good players. They won championships. And... I've never been to a Super Bowl. Like in the Super Bowl era. No, yeah, the never... NFL championships before it was even named the Super Bowl. Yeah. They were they were one of those early juggernauts. So Yeah, exactly. Um, what's interesting, though, is that the weakness of their team has been their defense. Matt Patricia being a defensive-minded coach, it's, it's always weird when you see that sort of situation. Um, I know with... Dan Quinn in Atlanta, we said the exact same thing. When your defense is not playing well and your defensive-minded head coach, uh, that doesn't bode too well for you keeping your job. But yeah, no, it's good to see that he's uh, he's keeping his job here. And uh, obviously we saw their work in New England and think that, yeah, there's lots of potential here. Again, 
if his players can stay healthy next year, and it will largely depend on how good that defense is next year. There was some news that broke right before we started recording here, though, that Tom Coughlin uh, did not quite get the same level of patience, and after two nope. years in Jacksonville, he has been fired as the uh, the VP of player personnel. Is that the... Football operations? Fo- yeah, sorry, football operations. Yeah. Um, so his job was almost like similar to a GM, weird kind of a coach hybrid thing. His, his role was messed up. Um, and with, uh, there's been a lot of kind of quieter stories in the last few weeks about grievances filed against him for, um, fines that violated the NFL's collective bargaining agreement against players. And just a lot of things that seem to have kind of added up to Shad Khan finally uh, making the call and kicking out Tom Coughlin. So, I mean, he's up there in age, too. He might be looking to retire. I'm not too sure. We all said this after the Giants fired him, too, though. Fair enough, but, I mean, it is a couple years later now. But I, yeah, I can't remember how many years he's been there. But Two seasons, I think. But he was there in 2017. So is this Like two full season? seasons? Okay. Know, something like that. I don't know. I saw the number, too, as well, but I don't know if that's right. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, he had success in New York. Um don't necessarily know what this means i wonder if like you're saying there's grievances i wonder if this doesn't both well for doug marone who's their head coach there is there a chance that he might get fired now but um yeah it's uh it's an interesting one i could see tom coughlin just calling it a career um not necessarily stepping into any other building in the nfl but yeah he's had lots of success doesn't really have anything to hang his head upon um yeah he's been a pretty successful head coach in the nfl when yeah when he's been a head coach in the nfl um, yeah, not too much more to say about that. Obviously, some like obviously something's gonna come out about it. I mean, we just got the notification two hours ago, so I'm curious to see what comes out of it and what the reasons were. Um, some other news: Terrell Suggs, after saying that he would not play for any team other than the Ravens and would not report to any team other than the Ravens, he got signed by the Chiefs, another contender in the AFC. Um, apparently, he will show up. <laughs> Daniel, did this surprise you that Casey signed him? I figured that somebody would pick him up off of waivers. I, Baltimore was 32. He would have had to get past every other team in the NFL. The Chiefs got to be up there too, though. Yeah, but Baltimore was 32. So it was like someone was going to get him. Um, I doubt the Ravens even were going to put in a claim. Likely, if he was going to clear waivers at 32, then they could have just signed him to a much more team-friendly deal, and it would have been fine. Like, good for the Chiefs. He's actually – Terrell Suggs is still a fine pass rusher. Him getting cut was a really weird thing with Arizona, but – um, mutually parted ways yeah, or some, so it was worded some disagreement on something likely but yeah he'll he'll be a help for the chiefs in this playoff push alex okafor um is battling some injuries so he'll be good to slide right in and hopefully give him some pass rush help well yeah and chandler jones the pro bowler there so um they've got talent there in arizona for sure and yeah it would be nice to have that playoff leadership i'm sure in the baltimore ravens building but yeah unfortunately the chiefs beat him to it so um, another kind of weird storyline this week. I'm not sure how much of a storyline it really is, but apparently Philip Rivers is unsure if he'll be back with the Chargers next year. I'm not too sure. I don't want to put too much weight into that, but you can see that he's sort of on the decline. I'm curious, uh, as a free agent this year, if he's thinking of calling it a career. He's 38 years old. Definitely possible. Um, the decline, Interestingly, if you look at his stats, it's not as clear as it would be. He's still, I think, second in the league in passing yards, surprisingly enough. But um, he just turns the football over, which he always had a bit of a tendency to do that. He was a bit, the gun, gunslinger mentality, but 
Um, we've also seen QBs who have kind of had a one-year slump and then and then come back and, and fired off strong again. So that's possible. He is 38, though, right? True. But, like, Drew Brees at 36, 37 had that brutal, like, 17-interception season hmm. where it looked like maybe he was regressing. So you never know. Guys can come back from this. But yeah. Phillip Rivers has been a, a good player in the NFL. Um, we'll see if the Chargers want to bring him back. I'd be shocked if they don't offer him something. I think it'll just be a matter of what kind of contract he's willing to accept. Definitely. Uh, not long-term. I don't think it'll be one of those ones you see with Tom where it's two years and $21 million a year or something like that. I think it it'll might be just one year for the rest of his career. But, um, yeah, some other news. Matthew Stafford went to IR. Isn't really shocking. He uh, was having maybe the best season, career, season of his career uh, <laughs> before this injury kind of derailed it. Yeah. Well, and he's been out for a couple of weeks, and – I mean, at one point it was week to week. We thought he was going to return and yeah, just never came back. So him going to IR isn't too shocking. And then Evan Ingram, who's expected to have a, a great season in New York for the Giants there. Uh, he's also going to IR. Teams that aren't relevant anymore, it makes sense. Yeah. But a guy who's been a wasted, battling. A wasted season for one of the premier young tight ends in the league right now. Well, in a time when the NFL doesn't really have many great tight ends. So um, it's too bad to see. Hopefully he can come back healthy next year for the Giants and be a, yeah, a, a great target for daniel jones because i imagine he needs some of those to still be a fantasy keeper for me so really hey interesting uh we want to talk about week 15 in the nfl this past week there were a lot of great games um a lot of games that we want to dive into and break down for you i spent my whole night last night actually watching all these games play for play um so yeah i'm really confident in our analysis today and i think that we'll give you insight into what these teams did really well to win these games so uh, Daniel, let's start off with these this Bears at Packers game. This game could have gone into overtime. Obviously, they would have had to actually pitch it off, get that touchdown, and then score the two-point conversion at the last second. So it's a bit ambitious, but this was a, a pretty close game when it didn't have to be. At one point, the Bears were down 21-6, to I believe, or 21-3. to um, It was a struggle of a game for the Bears, but they, they made it a close one. Um, what were some of your takeaways? Um... I think the Bears showed us kind of what they've been showing us over the last few weeks, which is that they're actually a team with some fight in them. Um, with that being said, I've said this at various points throughout this season, and I just can't stop saying it. I really don't think the Packers are that good. I, I get that they have a good record, but sometimes records lie, and I just I watch this team play, and I don't see a good football team. So I, I wouldn't necessarily agree 100%. I don't think the strength of this team is Aaron Rodgers. I think truly think the strength of this team is their running game. And the reason I say this is, if you watch Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams carry the football, they rack up decent amount of yards. If you watch, there were a lot of times where it was second and 10, they'd run the ball and get into third and five situations. Being in third and five situations as opposed to third and 10 situations against a good defense like the Bears is very crucial. Um, Not only were they effective on the ground, I mean, they didn't have that many rushing yards. It's not like they had too much of an influence on the game directly. But a lot of the plays that the Packers stretched the ball down the field, it was all because of play action. Um, Aaron Rodgers is an amazing quarterback when it comes to play action. Um, he draws the defense up and he throws the ball over the top quite often. And we saw Devontae Adams had quite a few catches that came off play action plays. I think that's what teams are, um, or that's what people may not realize is Aaron Rodgers is sort of having a down year, but I think the Packers are still successful because of the fact that their running game is truly their strength on offense now. I'm a huge Aaron Jones fan. Um, Jamal Williams is growing on me as well. But uh, so that's that's truly my takeaway from the Packers' perspective: is their running backs are the strength of their offense. I really I want to call out a bit of a small name player who 
um, has quietly had a really good season. Um, and I initially discovered this because he would have random fantasy weeks where he would just explode for points. But um, Anthony Miller had a, another great game against the Packers. Unreal game. His season stats have actually, like, 50 catches, 649 yards, only two touchdowns, which is never great. But he's been a good player. And Chicago has built um, kind of an unheralded offense. I think that's fair to say. You have Allen Robinson, who at one point was, when he was with the Jags, was being seen as, as one of the great young wide receivers in the league. And he got signed as a great young receiver yeah, exactly. by Chicago, too. Three um, years, 42 mil or something. So, yeah, with, with Anthony Miller there, Riley Ridley was not a low draft pick, and, and they're still hoping to get some more production out of him at some point. Tariq Cohen is um, a real gadget offensive weapon who can make plays. Um, they have David Montgomery, who has shown flashes as, as being a, a good playmaker. And they have Mitchell Trubisky, who, I mean, even in this game, didn't look terrible. Um, he attempted 54 passes, which if you had told me in week four of this season that Trubisky had attempted 54 passes, I would have said that he threw seven interceptions. Like, honestly, that's not, it's not trying to make a joke. That's seriously what I would have thought would have happened. He threw two, which on 54 attempts, I'll take two interceptions. That's okay. Um, this offense might be starting to show that it has the talent to be competing. So one thing that they did sort of lack, though, we talked about it last week. The reason the Bears were successful last week against the Cowboys. Yeah, they played the Cowboys last week. Oh, I'm sorry, Taylor Gabriel. I, I have to mention that name if I'm going to talk about this, too. Another good player on this yeah, offense. Yeah, another great receiver. Um, didn't have as good a week as Robinson and Miller, but yeah. he's Didn't, a, didn't have he's a, a catch, f- so that plays into it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's why I didn't remember his name at all in the game. Uh, but yeah, Trubisky didn't run in this game. And that's what we called out last week was that Trubisky's legs can carry this team to wins just because teams aren't expecting that. Um, David Montgomery didn't look like he had too successful of a game on the ground. It looked like the Packers were were holding him up. 2.8 per carry. Yeah, not doing too well. They got the ball to Tariq Cohen quite effectively. They dumped the ball off to him, and when the Packers weren't there, um, he'd catch the ball at five or six yards and take it to seven or eight. So um, there were quite a few times where they were going to their safety outlet, which is Cohen, and they haven't been getting him the ball as effectively this year as they had in the past. But obviously, Allen Robinson and uh, Anthony Miller both stretched the field well when they needed them to down the stretch. And that's the reason it was a close game is because Trubisky started, you know, um, I mean, he didn't use his legs too much, but he was finding his weapons on offense down the field. Um, Over their three-game win streak, Trubisky was averaging 7.85 yards per attempt in this game. What's that? Passing. Yeah, yeah, passing, sorry. Um, Against the Packers, it was 6.3. And obviously, having 54 attempts doesn't help that, but... Still, uh, getting the ball down the field needs to be something that they do more in the future. And yeah, if Trubisky can run more, this team isn't bad. Um, obviously, they're eliminated from the playoffs now. But still, I think Trubisky's legs could be the reason that he keeps his job in Chicago. Yeah, they, they're one of those teams that, that has shown some upside. And um, honestly, with the way their season started, I think that's, like, that's something Chicago Bears fans should really be excited about. The, well, this the, is what they said last season too, right? True. So, but last, um, last season, this was a defense that was, like, borderline historically great. And this year, true. they haven't been the same. But the offense, again, it is showing some flashes. So uh, Again, it's, it's can they build on this next year? Because there was a lot of optimism going into this season. And uh, they sort of went away from Trubisky's strengths, which is, again, running the ball. So if they can focus on that next year and harness what their the true strengths of their offense are in co- combination with how good that defense can be too. This is a, a team to be messed with. I think it could be that team that everyone expected to see this year. Um, there was another really good game in the NFC that I don't know how many people expected to be close, but the Seattle Seahawks took on the Carolina Panthers this past week. And um, it was actually a game. 
Yeah, the Seahawks obviously had the, the lead most of the game, but the Panthers came back and made it somewhat close in the end. What's interesting about the Seahawks is, is that they have a sustainable running game. And the, again, the past couple of weeks, Russell Wilson hasn't necessarily been hot. This past week, he was 20 of 26 for 280 yards, two touchdowns or something along those lines. Good Russell Wilson stat line. Yeah, so this week he picked it up. But that running game is still great. Rashad Penny's out for the year now when he was looking to be hot. But Chris Carson had a great game. And they're running the ball effectively. They got the ball to Tyler Lockett very effectively as well. Um, DK Metcalf is proving to be a very strong weapon, especially in the red zone with his body frame. This offense is good. And because of how strong they're able to run the ball, this team is like they need to start or they need to be taken seriously in the NFC. Who would have thought that Chris Carson deserved to have his name mentioned among some of the top backs in the league right now? He's been consistently solid, like nothing flashy, but just a strong power runner who can make things happen when he has the ball in his hands. Well, exactly. And we talked about it throughout the season that the Seattle Seahawks were winning games because Russell Wilson was doing everything. And I think for this team going into the playoffs to not have to depend on Russell Wilson to literally be Superman for them to get a win is huge. Not to say that Russell Wilson isn't playing great, but to, to say that he doesn't have to play elite every single week in order for them to win is, is huge. And it could be the reason they win that division, could be the reason that they win the conference and potentially the Super Bowl if they can keep playing this way. Um, what's interesting though is, and I'll continue to say this, no, Christian McCaffrey is not going to be the MVP, but he's the reason that, first of all, the Panthers stayed in this game and he's the reason the Panthers came back in this game as he's well. He's the reason the Panthers can do literally anything. That's yeah, just kind of where it's at. Between him and DJ Moore, like... That's the only thing that keeps that that team moving. That's why they're saying Will Greer is likely going to start this week over Kyle Allen because yeah. they've realized that he's actually not good. Well, it's not even about Kyle Allen not being good. Um, obviously, he's a young quarterback. Uh, he's he's going to make his mistakes. He, he's not expected to be an elite-level quarterback at no. this point in his career, right? I mean, he was. by now you'd hope that he would start showing some upside, but they know what they're getting in him for the most part. Um, they'll develop him in the offseason, I imagine, and he'll have his time to grow, but... Christian McCaffrey, again, he's been the reason that this team has been remaining in games for the most part. Kyle Allen threw three picks, though, in this game. Um, I think a couple of them were in the red zone as well. So this game could have been closer. This game could have been a win for the Panthers, potentially, if he doesn't make those mistakes. Um, another takeaway, you, you mentioned it, but DJ Moore is a number one receiver in this league. I don't think a lot of people are recognizing. I think he has the third most yards in the NFL right now. The NFC South is the most crazy loaded receiver divi- division in terms of receivers. Yeah, yeah. you have... Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, and um, Julio Jones. Like yeah. what Calvin Ridley was having a great year. Yeah, too. Calvin Ridley's another really good player. It, it's that division is just stacked. Like Marshawn Lattimore, so solely because of who he has to cover throughout the year, just belongs on the list of top corners. Yeah, um, I, I saw a funny tweet actually. It was about uh, the Pro Bowl because I believe all four of the receivers from the NFC are, are some of the ones you just mentioned. And Marshawn Lattimore said two times a year. Yeah. <laughs> and it was meaning two times a year, I've got to cover all these guys. And you wonder why my stats aren't where you want them to be. So um, yeah, DJ Moore, you can't not mention his name when you talk about some of the best receivers in this league. Uh, that was a big takeaway from that game is he got the ball with high frequency and he made plays whenever he had the ball in his hands. I was really impressed to see the way that he played. Um, but yeah, again, main takeaway is the Seahawks are running the ball very effectively. They're forcing turnovers, again, not against a great offense, but against Kyle Allen. Josh Gordon threw a pick, so that's hilarious. Josh, did you see the catch he made? That 58-yard catch where it was was ridiculous. When you see catches like that and you're just like, yeah, right. Like that was, like that's a human doing that. But maybe that's where the performance enhancing. (laughs) Shouldn't have said that. But anyways, um, yeah, so it was a great win for the Seahawks. They take over the division lead again because of the 49ers loss. 
they have a chance to be good this this uh, this season in the playoffs. I think. Um, I know previously I discounted them, said the 49ers were better, but the way that they're running the ball, you got to start giving them a shot. So, uh, really good for them. Uh, the Texans and the Titans. This was another game that um, I was really excited for this one this week. Uh, this was probably the match I was looking forward to the most. It was it was kind of sloppy at certain points in the game. Both teams turned the ball over a decent amount. Um, in one case, the Titans were on the Texans' goal line. Threw the ball, the ball got knocked around, and I think it was Whitney Merciless that took a pick almost to the house. Um, there were a lot of turnovers in this game, especially in the red zone. And I don't know, both offenses showed some weaknesses, but for the most part, the Texans pulled away. They did what they had to do to win this game, um, despite the Titans coming on hot in the second half. Yeah, there's a, I mean, this is another division that um, kind of has that feel of just one of those hyper-competitive, anyone can kind of pull out the the win. And obviously over the last few weeks, this has started to narrow in terms of the field. But um, this was a game that, that meant a lot. And this doesn't mean Tennessee is eliminated, but it sure wasn't great for them to lose this game. Um, they get to play them again, not this week, but in week 17. So that game might end up being the one that determines the division. Um, AJ Brown just deserves so much credit for yeah. what he's been. Uh, some games with Mariota, but since Ryan Tannehill has come in, he's turned into a real deep threat, um, a really skilled receiver as a, a second round rookie. Like he's got a bright future in this league too. It, we're we're definitely in a time where um, there's a lot of a lot of really promising rookie or second second year receivers in the league right now, and. I mean, quarterbacks are just going to be enjoying the benefits of this for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Again, watching this game play for play, it was it was unreal. You couldn't watch this game and not be surprised at how good A.J. Brown is. And maybe if you just haven't seen Titan games because... Because uh, they're the Titans. Well, yeah, because they're the Titans. Or if you just haven't been able to see it because you, you see Derrick Henry's numbers and you overlook the rest, A.J. Brown's amazing. He's uh, He's playing really well. He's a physical receiver, a big receiver, and he makes plays for them. Um, Ryan Tannehill had a pretty good game as well. He, he did again. He did what he had to do in the second half for this to be a close game and to bring them uh, into position to, uh, you know, to keep it close in the fourth quarter. But the Texans did what they needed to do in the fourth quarter. They had uh, a drive with over five minutes that they took off the clock uh, that highly depended on Carlos Hyde and DeAndre Hopkins. They drove down the field and they scored to make it 24-14 with I think it was just over two minutes left or just under three minutes left, something like that in the the fourth quarter and that effectively ended the game the titans scored one touchdown after that but really the texans sure they at certain points um lost momentum due to turnovers and things like that but when they really needed to they drove down the field and they beat their divisional rival um largely on the backs of carlos Hyde and deandre hopkins so those two players especially stood out to me uh from the texans so i don't know this division obviously looks in favor of the texans now but the, the titans feel like they deserve a playoff spot I don't know if you would agree with the same with me. Like, I feel like the Titans should beat out the Steelers. Yeah. I feel like they're a more dynamic team. They've played so strongly in the last few weeks. And, I mean, you, there's got to be the what-ifs now of if they had just pulled the trigger to bench Mariota earlier where they could be right now. But um, they're, they're, they're a skilled football team. Um, even with Derrick Henry getting, not shut down, but definitely quieted down from what he's been doing, yeah. they were still competitive with, with a good football squad. And, um I think again, Good on the Texans for yeah. stopping Henry, though, oh, too, because sure. we said that last week. Run that was an X factor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, it, I think it comes down to the fact that Desha- Deshaun Watson is just a winner, and he will find a way, and, and that's what he did in an important divisional game. 
Well, and especially after last week where we were talking about it, you can't just come out and be that inconsistent, beat the Patriots one week, um, lose to the Broncos, and we'll actually get demolished by the Broncos the next week. But they, they won a game they had to win against the Titans, so uh, it was definitely good for them. Uh, another game on our docket that really stood out to us was the Minnesota Vikings at the Chargers. This I don't want to say the word trap game, but this this almost felt that way for the Vikings. It felt like a game where... Um, you know, they're still in the NFC North race. Were they potentially going to lose this game and, and potentially hurt their playoff odds? But, you know, we called it last week. Kirk Cousins wasn't necessarily going to have the best game of his life. So there were some other players that were going to need to step up for the Vikings, and their defense definitely did that. Um, I, I can't remember what the number was, but like six or seven turnovers forced against this Chargers offense. It was, uh, yeah, it was just a display of how dominant that defense can be. There was one point where um, Philip Rivers just hucked up a ball. I think Harrison, Harrison Smith got the pick. Did not look pretty. Um, a couple seconds before the half ended, Philip Rivers, um, it looked like an offensive lineman of his was going to fall into his legs. You know, he sort of bundled up and didn't quite protect the football. The Vikings forced a fumble, took it to the house a couple seconds again before the half. I think they went up 19-10 at the half. And the rest of this game, it was just dominated by the Vikings. Um, their defense really stood out to me. And again, the Chargers have, I guess, struggled behind Phillip Rivers the last couple weeks and a good chunk of the year, possibly. But if they can play this way against the Packers, I like this Viking squad in the NFC North and in the NFC overall. I, having said that, I think the Packers are worse than their record shows. I still think the Vikings are better than their record shows. And um, the more I say this, the more I'm just scared to be proven wrong. But They've, they've showed promise to me, and I, I really like this Vikings squad. I love Kirk Cousins, as I ranted about a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen is, is an incredible one-two punch receiver. Dalvin Cook's one of the best running backs in football. They, they're, they're a talented team, even on defense. A guy like Harrison, Harrison Smith is one of the top safeties in the league. So the, I don't think they're going to win that division at this point. Obviously, there's still a shot, um, and this game this week will be big for that. Yeah. Um, but they have also showed that they struggle in big-time situations sometimes. Well, so, and with Cook potentially out this game too, who knows yeah. what that's going to look like. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see with them. Um, I did not expect this to be a 39-10 to 10 game. Yeah. <laughs> I did not expect the Chargers to, to be that embarrassing. I did not expect them to turn the ball over seven times. It was seven. Seven times, three really picks, well. four fumbles. Um, but, I mean, the Vikings got a win they needed to get. Uh, they're sitting at 8-4 and four now and, and continue to have a shot here. To, it's got to be more than that. Or, yeah, we're way... What the heck? <laughs> in, in what world did my brain just say, oh, yeah, we're in week 12. Sorry, 10 and 4. Yeah, we're four. fine. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, I have a question for you, because this is... Obviously, it was not a great display by the Chargers offense, but two players really stuck out to me, and I want to know if you think that they have great potential. So, first, Mike Williams. Do you think... I mean, he's a jump ball guy. There were so many plays where he just went up and made plays. Um, do you think that he has the potential to be a, a great wide receiver in this league? He By belongs, great, I'm saying like averaging maybe, you know... Like a thousand yards a season yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, He belongs on that list of um, potentially very talented young receivers that we were talking about earlier. Um, and he's shown some promise. He's Like you said, he's shown the ability to go up and win those jump balls. He has he's a, a, like a huge target, 6'4", 220. He's, he's a big man. Um, Obviously in the shadow of Keenan Allen for now, and that tends to help you because Keenan Allen is the one drawing any doubles that might come out in terms of coverage. But no, Mike Williams has shown enough promise that I think he belongs in the conversation of a guy who could develop into something. By by year three, which he's in now, you'd like to see that already. Yeah. Um, but I mean, statistically, he's 
he's having a good season. He, he'll, he might finish it. He almost certainly will finish with a thousand yards receiving. And hmm. um, the issue is two touchdowns for a jump ball guy. And last year that, he had that in one game, I think, against the Chiefs. Yeah. I remember him just destroying yeah. the Chiefs that game. And so. some of that has to do with River's struggles this year. But yeah. you want to see a six four two twenty receiver get more of those those red zone looks and, and well, come okay. down with them. So. A goal line fade, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> Had to say that. Haven't ever said that in the podcast. That's, That's kind true. of a miss on our part. Yeah, but. we'll take it. Okay, <laughs> um, the other player I wanted to know your thoughts on, Austin Eckler. Can he be might a, be the best receiving back in football. Can he be a Christian McCaffrey type? Oh, one, no. 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 no, yards receiving. not a chance. He's, nope. not, he's not a great runner. He's a fine runner, but he's not a great. He's so physical, though. No, but like... McCaffrey doesn't like between the tackles either. McCaffrey's more an outside zone type of guy. Um, I just... Eckler especially because he's behind Melvin Gordon at this point. Um, I think he'd be best used in a, I don't want to say a James White role because the Patriots pretty much never run James White, but like, I mean, Darren Sproles of old, right? He would get maybe six carries a game, get, you know, you you want to get him 12 to 15 touches, mostly catches some carries. Uh, Does Eckler do returning at all? I bet you he probably could with the way that he runs. I don't know this year, but I think he has. Just one of those solid playmakers who you just you get the ball in his hands in creative ways. You you throw him in the slot. You do whatever you need to. But I I can't see him being a between the tackles runner. No, because I I I mean we talked about this earlier that with Gordon coming back, you know he would get obviously some of the touches and it would sort of take away from what Eckler's done. But in the receiving game, he's been dominating. I I think that. If they were to let Melvin Gordon go, I think next year they could see that Eckler truly is the best player in their offense, and it would open up things up for Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. He and... he has the the durability in terms of size five ten five eleven I think two hundred pounds. So he's again he's not like this skinny scat back hundred and sixty pound like he can take a beating, um, and I mean he's shown his ability to be a between the tackles runner. I just don't know if that's the best way to utilize him. Fair enough. Yeah. That makes sense. And we'll see what, what happens with the Chargers and what kind of offense they have next year, depending on who their quarterback is. But anyways, I have high hopes for him. I love that kind of player. Um, so <laughs> jumping into, again, the 49ers lost week. From, What's that? Upset of the week. Yeah, upset of the week. Um, the Falcons are just seemingly pulling out upsets out of their back pocket every couple weeks, it seems. Um, this What stood out to me about this game is just how one player for each offense absolutely dominated the game. And with George Kittle, it was very obvious how much he was dominating the game. For the Falcons offense with Julio, it was it was more subtle how much he was dominating, but Julio was dominant in the red zone, whereas Kittle was dominant everywhere, all over the field. Um, I think there was eight-plus offensive pass, or sorry, not offensive plays, but eight-plus pass attempts that went to George Kittle in a row. So eight-plus times that they were throwing the ball and threw it to him or in his direction. So... Um, that was my big takeaway from this game. It's just truly how dominant both of those players are. Uh, George Kittle to put up Michael Thomas numbers as a tight end is pretty impressive. One thing that I, I didn't quite like for the uh, the 49ers, though, I don't understand why they don't give the ball to Mostert more. Um, I think he's their best running back. And yes, they do have two other great running backs there. But I don't understand why they don't give him the ball more. I don't want to question Kyle Shanahan at this point, but I, I have a hard time disagreeing with you on that. Mostert yeah. has shown his ability to gash defenses, and um, they have been riding the hot hand. He got the most carries by far, but still only 14 carries for a guy who I think has been averaging probably between six and seven yards per carry over the last three or four weeks. Something like that. Like After his dominating performance against the, the Saints, I would have expected him to get the ball a little bit more. Um, Garoppolo sort of looked off to me as well, and you think when your quarterback's off and not having the greatest day... Um, 
you would think that you'd run it more. Um, I know Tevin Coleman is an effective back. They like to get him the ball in the uh, passing game just as a short dump-off guy. But I thought they should have ran the ball more with Mostert, and I think that, um, yeah, it, it was close to them having this win, obviously, both on the goal line when the Falcons did actually score. Oh, yeah, score. literally as close as it possibly could be. As that possibly was... could be, but it was right after the two-minute warning that the 49ers had a third and four or third and five. They got the ball to Kittle. Kittle kind of fumbled it, and they weren't able to convert. If they were able to convert there and run out the clock, um, obviously they, they would have won this game. So it felt like they, the 49ers were, were just a couple plays off. Um, their defense obviously has to be a lot tighter and they can't give up those kind of numbers to Julio Jones. They just can't. Um, but yeah, obviously they're missing Richard Sherman, which would have helped, <laughs> but a disappointing week for the 49ers. That's for sure. Um, and you just can't struggle in the NFC West. That's what we found out this week in multiple ways. Uh, the other team that struggled this week from the NFC West was the Los Angeles Rams and they got demolished by the Cowboys. This is a game where you could pretty much stop watching at halftime. It was 31 to seven at the half. I want to say something ridiculous like that. 28 to seven at the half. Um, yeah, just not close in any way whatsoever. The Cowboys, um, they did what they had to do. They did what they had to do this week. They pounded the football, and that's something that we called out last week. Maybe their pass-first offense was the reason that they were struggling as much as they were. They pounded the ball with Ezekiel Elliott in the first half, Tony Pollard in the second half. Both of them had over 100 yards rushing. Um, it was great to see them both come out and perform that well. Tavon Austin had a gimme 59-yard touchdown in the first half, which you know, sort of kick things off for the Cowboys. And yeah, Sean Lee having an interception right before the half and giving them another touchdown by Elliott right after. Like the Cowboys just dominated in all essence of the, the word domination. And yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we sort of didn't give the Cowboys the best odds last week, but they certainly proved us wrong. I don't know how much they proved. <laughs> I, I get that they put up a lot of points. Um, and I mean, do you know what? If they've decided to go this way with play calling, then they can continue to do it. They took the ball out of Dak's hands, and they they told their two very good running backs to to go and make plays to win the game, and they did. Um, on the Rams' side, there's there's not a lot of positives really, except for Tyler Higby, who now has yeah. three straight weeks over 100 yards, and he had like 12 catches, 111 yards, something like that. Uh, 12 for 111, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I picked him up in fantasy an hour before his game started. uh, (laughs) Do you start him? Yeah, I did. Oh, no way. Because Najoku was a healthy scratch last minute. And so I was like, oh, shoot, I need a tight end. And it was Higby. Yeah, you destroyed in fantasy this week. Yeah, I did. I had an insane week. But, um, no, it was, uh, it was a good, a good week for him. He's starting to show some promise. I think even with Gerald Everett coming back from injury, Higby's probably claimed that role. And it's just another weapon in it's that. another weapon in that for them, Rams but offense. get the ball to your weapons. Well, another weapon that they don't know how to use, it seems. Well, well, Cooper Cup didn't have a catch until, what, the third quarter or something stupid like that. I, I don't remember hearing Robert Woods' names all that much. He's their slot guy. He's a high-frequency guy. Yeah, get the Woods, ball to Woods at 4 for 17. Cup had 6 for 41 in a touchdown, and Cooks had 4 for 46. That's ugly yeah, like, that's for ridiculous. Really good receivers. Those are your best players. Gurley had, like, 11 carries for 20 yards, if I remember correctly. It was something stupid. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, like... Just, it's stupid. Their offense just was not working. And when you turn over the ball with your offensive weapons not playing that well at all, like you're just, you're asking to get your butts kicked. And that's certainly what happened this week. Um, that was a pretty high scoring game. I think the final was 44 to 21, but really you didn't have to watch the second half to take anything away from that game. Um, <laughs> our last game of the week, Daniel this was got not it right. A football game. This was not a football game. I, uh, in the notes I have, this was a game of turnovers, period. I couldn't do it. I turned it off. I Did like. You? I literally. I said during the podcast, like, you don't want to watch this game, and I was like, I'm gonna try. And I think 
five minutes into the third quarter, I was done. I just couldn't really? do it anymore. Did you watch it again? Did you go back to it? No. Because the end was, was pretty exciting. They, I just, it was so, it was such a bad game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, these are two teams that have gotten where they were, not necessarily because of their offenses. Um, we saw it, and I'm going to go out and make a comment. Tredavious White is one of the best cornerbacks in this game. I'd almost argue top five. Um, I obviously don't have a top five written out at this point in time, but I'd argue he's in the top five. The Bills fans scream about it on the internet a lot, and I kind of was disregarding them because they are Bills fans. But no, I, I think they're right. Trey White has been... Because they were Bills fans. I yeah, love that. no, that's fine. Bills um, Mafia. Yeah. But he's been he's been really good. Like all credit to them. He's he's a talented player. This Bills team is currently um, what are they now? Ten and yeah, ten and four. ten and four, Same and have a hundred million dollars in cap room going into next year. So that's ridiculous. This is a terrifying football team with a lot of good players. Yeah, no, they're uh, they're a good football team. Some other takeaways is that. Singletary's a great running back. Devin Singletary. Um, I think looks, I said that to you what two weeks ago. I started really yeah. saying I liked how he ran. And yeah, no, you've said you've been saying it for most of the season that this guy's got potential to be really good. Um, he's continuing to prove it week in and week out that he's a he's a very good running back. Um, Josh Allen's also an effective runner. Uh, we've learned that over the past few weeks, but I think that they need to use him as a runner a lot more often. I mean, nine rushing touchdowns is insane for a QB. Yeah, because teams don't really think about it right even as a, a person who watches football consistently it, you kind of have to say whoa like, well, Josh Allen just, can run the football when you can just run QB power on the goal line and score on it like well exactly and that's what they did in this game as well um the Steelers offense struggled Devlin Hodges did not look good whatsoever but James Washington is a bright point for this offense um I do have to say that with Juju Smith-Schuster being out that doesn't necessarily help a quarterback that was not expected to touch a football at all this season. So for James Washington to go out there and make some plays for his quarterback is great. Um, again, this was a game of, of turnovers, and it seemed like whichever team turned the ball over gave momentum up. And yeah, Deontay Johnson's fumble was huge. They uh, they yeah. ran some. Was it Benny Snell or Jalen Samuels running the read option? And it was they like gave, a wildcat. Yeah, yeah, the the wildcat read option gave the ball to Spencer, and he he coughed it up in a bad bad situation, but. Wasn't the snap terrible too? Or something know, happened. Yeah. It was. It was the whole play was kind of rough. But, oh, absolutely. Um, the Steelers. I mean, James Washington's a bright spot. Deontay Spencer has been as well as yeah. a like a, just a playmaker, a guy yeah. who can touch the ball and do something with it. Another rookie receiver. Yeah, James Conner coming back from his injury and not getting a ton of touches, but he was running like James Conner does. Eight for forty-two, eight carries, forty-two yards. I think or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It was and like being the physical James Conner that yeah. that we saw a lot of last year which is a good sign because that shoulder injury, there were concerns that it could linger and it could be more of a problem. So um, the Steelers team is on that list of, of teams with a lot of offensive players. With Ben Roethlisberger coming back next year, they could like immediately insert themselves back into the conversation of being a top three team in the AFC. Yeah, they need to be healthy. They, I think they need some more weapons on offense. And yeah, obviously Roethlisberger is a huge update over upgrade over uh, – Anything Hodges else on their roster. Yeah, so I, I personally don't think this is a playoff team. They've got a great defense. Their defense kept the Bills' offense in check for the most part, um, and turnovers just derailed the Steelers' hopes of winning yeah. this game. And John Brown is still legit. Seven for ninety-nine. I like. Yeah, he's arrived. He's one of the the easily one of the top, like a, a real number one receiver in football, and I yeah. uh, love to see it. So yeah, this showed the difference between what a playoff team is in the Bills and what a playoff team is not in the Steelers, and I think. I think the Titans could overthrow the Steelers. I, I don't see the Steelers um, doing anything in the playoffs if they make it. So, anyways, um, yeah, it was a it was a struggle of a game to get through, but it was a good one. 
uh, for the Bills. They were very happy to be in the playoffs too. Do you see the people outside the airport at two o'clock in the morning waiting for the and Bills like players to come in? And, yeah. yeah, and Josh Allen went and took a selfie, and I saw it on Good Morning Football. It was pretty cool to see that they're um, as proud a fan base as they are. So good for them. Uh, we want to jump into some fantasy football starts. Uh, this is most likely going to be your either your championship or your semifinals. So want to wish you the best. Um, here's some starts that we think you might want to look at this week. So we think Devin Singletary against the Patriots. Uh, Joe Mixon obviously had a pretty big game this past week. The Patriots, the Patriots rush D is actually pretty bad. That's just it's, that's just the facts. Well, did you see the Bengals ran like maybe the first drive? 10 they, out of, yeah, ten out of their eleven plays, something like that on their first drive. Yeah, yeah. and then they just th- their one pass was a touchdown pass. Yeah, their but. one pass was a touchdown. So Joe Mixon tore it up. Um, I don't think he had a big second half, but still he didn't need to. He had great numbers in the first half. So if you're looking for a fantasy, uh, yeah, fantasy. W- obviously you're looking for a fantasy win Devin Singletary might be a guy you start this week Rashad Perriman that's a name you may not have ever heard before I think he was a first round pick by, by the, the Ravens yeah, and he literally Ravens. just couldn't catch he yeah. was he's a, the Randy Moss clone the 6-4 very fast everybody wants him Stephen Hill every yeah it's didn't over and over. turn into too much with the Ravens yeah but he's with the Bucks now and he had three touchdowns this week uh Chris Godwin looks like he might be out this week against it's the Houston Texans. It's a pretty Texans. serious hamstring injury. I think we can expect that he's done for the year. Yeah, exactly. So Perriman steps into that number one role against a Texans defense that gave up a lot of points to A.J. Brown this past week. Maybe give Perriman a start if you're really desperate at the wide receiver position. He might be starting in the fantasy championship for me. We're going to see yeah. still, but he's Did you pick him up? Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was going to try and do that later tonight. Um, Philip Rivers against the Raiders might be another good start. The Raiders defense is not good. And Gardner Minshew had a pretty good day against them. Quiet, but with the amount that Rivers throws the football, there's a chance he could have a good day. If you're really keep in mind that picks are not as like bad in fantasy as are in real life, because Jameis Winston can throw three picks and still put up really good fantasy points. Okay, but that's because he had 458 yards. But but like Rivers has the potential to do that still. Fair enough. Because he throws the ball a ton, but um yeah and then the, the chiefs defense they've been the number one defense over the past four weeks and now they have terrell suggs there to rush the passer so that's going to help yeah exactly so we're saying to start them against the bears offense um trubisky might throw a couple picks this week you never know um we think that they can stuff the running game they could keep uh, robinson and gabriel and miller to some rather quiet weeks so consider charging starting the chiefs defense this week um, some sits that we want to recommend Carlos Hyde he's been having a really good season surprisingly but Tampa has the number one run defense in case you didn't know maybe consider starting him or sorry sitting him this week against the Bucks. sit Derrick Henry against the Saints um, we saw how if you stop him the Titans offense um, you know they rely on Tannehill and they struggle a little bit if the Saints get out to a hot start here and they depend on the passing game to get them back into this game Henry may not be the guy they go to Jarvis Landry against the Ravens, just lean away from it. That Browns offense is not doing He wants anything. the Cardinals to come and get him. He wants everyone to come and get him. Anyways, uh, don't need to talk about that. But one fun fact, Odell Beckham did mention the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Toronto Argonauts in his press conference today. So, woo, Canada. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers against the Vikings. If they can show up like they did this past week against the Chargers, who knows? This team... Uh, this team could force Rodgers to Aaron have a Rodgers hasn't been very good this year. That's just that's no. the honest truth. And, and yeah. he's not an every week starter like he has been for years. So No, definitely. Um, to get into our, our preview of week 16 now, we just want to talk through quickly some of the X factors we think that could happen in this week. Um, so starting with the Texans and Bucks game. So we have three games on Saturday. This is the first of them. Saturday games make me so happy. Give yeah. me more days of football. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's amazing. It's, um, it's early Christmas. Early Christmas, definitely. That's what I associate Saturday NFL games with. But Daniel, what are your key factors for the Texans and Bucks game? Um, 
I, I've, said it, I've said it over and over. Deshaun Watson, when he needs to win, he's going to win. Um, and even though this Bucks team is hot, they're looking like one of the most dangerous teams in football at the moment. Um, I just I think Deshaun Watson's in a situation where he knows that he's got to put the team on his back and, and he's got to will him to a win. So um, I think he is the big X factor. I think that Houston D has to get their crap together. Um, and with Godwin and Mike Evans both being out, Brashad Perriman will probably put up some stats because he is a very good athlete, um, but I don't think it'll be enough, and I think the Texans are going to take this one 31-28. Yeah, I'm saying that the Bucks' run defense will stop the Texans. Their pass defense is not good at all. I think this will be a shootout. I think Winston will, will go out there and just sling the football. Watson will do the same. I'm calling for an upset, though. I'm calling for the Buccaneers to take it 38-34 to 34, um, just because we know the Texans aren't too consistent. So I'm banking on the fact that the Texans won't be consistent yet again. Um, the, the middle Saturday game though, the bills at the Patriots, Daniel, uh, I don't know about you, but I remember week three, I think it was when the Patriots played the bills in Buffalo, won 16 to 10. They had a special teams touchdown in that game. It was not pretty. This was sort of the start of the Patriots offense sputtering. Um, the Patriots defense were dominant in that game, just stifled Josh Allen. Are you thinking it's going to be as much of a defensive matchup this time? I think the Patriots have shown, um, over the last five weeks, um, that the only way that they're going to win football games is if their defense and special teams create turnovers. Yeah. Um, and so... And score. And score. <laughs> score That's, directly. That, yeah, because the Patriots are having a hard time scoring, even with the the beginning of this emergence of Nikhil Harry. Um, Adam and I have definitely fangirled over him the last few weeks. We like what we're seeing from him. And but, he's a Canadian. Oh, yeah, he's a Canadian. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so I think that it will be a defensive battle. Um my score prediction at this point is is Patriots 17, Bills 13. But, like, honestly, uh, if the Patriots' D gets hot, this could turn into a blowout by the Patriots solely because I could see their defense and special teams scoring two or three touchdowns because Josh Allen is errant with the ball. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one to watch. And, I mean, this is... I think he, like, Josh Allen's fumbled the ball, like, 13 times or something like he just really is horrible with ball control wow well i mean he's only seen them a couple times in his career because i believe he missed the one of the matchups last year where Derek anderson was the starting quarterback for them so now he's seen them a couple times i i don't know if josh allen will oh, adjust sorry. the way he plays seven them. seven fumbles but seven fumbles. still that's a lot okay yeah that's a lot for a quarterback um i think that this game will come down to how well the patriots can stop the run game and how effectively they can use their running game we saw burkhead score a night's touchdown late in their game against oh, the Bengals. you put such so, a move on that safety yeah it was beautiful if they can get the ball to sony uh run the ball effectively with sony michelle if they can run the ball with burkhead just abuse the bills defense with their assortment of running backs um I think that they could take this game. And again, similar to what you're saying, I think it's with the Patriots defense stifling the uh, the Bills offense. So I, I said 20 to 13, pretty similar to Daniel. Um, and the last game on Saturday is the Rams at the 49ers, a divisional battle. Because it's a divisional battle, I'm expecting this one to be a little bit closer than some people may expect. They're both coming off losses. The 49ers have a lot to play for. The Rams don't really have much to play for at this point, it feels like. Um, I'm, I'm saying the 49ers defense is going to be hungry. They've sort of been disappointed the last couple of weeks with their performance. I think they come out, stop the Rams. The Rams put up some sort of scoring in the second half, but I say 31-21 49ers. Yeah, I think at this point, um, the Niners are definitely an angry team. They did not want to lose like they have. They looked like a team that could be going 16-0 at one point, and here they sit with four losses now, um, some that have been pretty ugly. So... 
Um, I think I think the Niners do take this game, but I think it's going to be a shootout. I think 34-31. I think it's going to be classic, just divisional matchup football. The Rams are going to perform like they should all year, um, but I think the 49ers ultimately take this game. That's a lot closer than I expected you to say, actually. But um, another game that we really want to highlight, Saints at the Titans. For the Titans, this is a very important game. They're not in the wild card spot right now. Uh, they're behind the Steelers. So they really need a win. The Saints are looking red hot on offense, especially. Uh, we talked about Janoris Jenkins for them. I think this what this will come down to is how fast the Saints can get out to a lead in front of the Titans. I think if they get off to a fast lead, the Titans won't necessarily be able to come back. While they did last week, and while they are a second-half team, it's going to be hard for them to get Henry involved in the game if they're behind by a lot in the first half. Drew Brees is just looking too hot. Michael Thomas is looking too hot the last couple weeks for me to bet against the Saints. I'm saying a 34-20 win for the Saints. I can't say that any better. Same score prediction for me, 34-20 sounds right. And it's just, it's the Titans are just overmatched in this game. That's yeah. really what it is. No, and it's disappointing for them to have this kind of schedule at the end. But um, another divisional game that we want to highlight, and it's almost like we like the NFC West more than every other division because we talk about it so much. But the Cardinals are playing the Seahawks this week. And no, the Cardinals aren't a great team in the NFL, but... I mean, they do have that divisional sort of battle against the Seahawks that it could turn into a little bit closer of a game than people might expect. Kenyon Drake dominated the Browns last week with four touchdowns. We saw McCaffrey um, keep the Panthers in the game against the Seahawks last week. And no, Kenyon Drake is not Christian McCaffrey. But if they have some sort of vulnerability in their defense with a running game, who knows? The Cardinals could keep up in this game. I think that Kyler Murray could potentially uh, keep the Cardinals in this game as well. And it just it feels like a trap game maybe for the Seahawks. Um, I still think the Seahawks win 23-17, to 17, but I don't know necessarily um, how dominant Seahawks look in this game. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. Um, Russell Wilson, again, had a, a very Russell Wilson game last week. No turnovers, nothing crazy numbers-wise, but, but really solid. Um, okay. I imagine he could do that again. Uh, DK Metcalf has been just looking so good this year. Yeah. Such a good pick. Red by zone the Seahawks. target. Yeah. yeah. Like great speed, great size, really solid hands actually, and, and just a, a real athlete out on the field. So um, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Seahawks just take over this game and murder the Cardinals. But um, what seems more likely to me is a bit of a closer game. And I think 20 because it's 17. divisional, you sort of have to yeah, err on exactly. that side. Yeah. And, and a, a good Cardinals team. They've, they've shown some promise. So 23-17. Um, but like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if that turned into 38-10. Yeah, confidence level like 10%. So <laughs> we're going with it. But um, anyways, so this is one of the games of the week. Um, again, another divisional battle, the Cowboys at the Eagles. This is sort of the week that everyone's been waiting for just to see this NFC East matchup. Who's going to take the division? I'm saying the Cowboys. You're saying the Eagles. Why are you saying the Eagles? <laughs> like, why? Honestly, I... I sat How? down today Why? and I looked at this and I said, which of these two um, really bad football teams is going to be worse? Um, and when it comes to this point in the year, you really, you, sometimes talent doesn't matter anymore and sometimes pedigree does. Um, and that's what the Eagles have. They won a Super Bowl recently. Carson Wentz was not their starting quarterback in that, but um, he's shown. They have the attitude. Yeah, yeah, they have the attitude. They have a really good head coach. Um, they have enough talent to, to go out and play, even though their offense, because of the receiving core depth currently, is just disgusting. Um, they're one of those teams that, that, to me, feels like they're just going to get a playoff spot. Um, and the only way for them to do that at this point is by beating the Cowboys for this division. So I do. I have them taking it 24-16. to 16. 
Yeah, I'm not, I'm going the other way. I think the Cowboys are going to run the ball effectively. I truly think that's what snapped in uh, Jason Garrett's head this past week is like, look, our running game is our strength. Ezekiel Elliott's a great running back. Tony Pollard is a great number two running back. Let's use our running backs effectively. Let's pound the ball. Um, let's use our run to set up our pass because that's what they did against the Rams. They used play action effectively. They got the ball down the field after having set up the running game. I think they do that this week against the Eagles. I'm saying Cowboys 27, Eagles 16. Um, I think that score makes it sound like it's going to be a lot closer than it is. I think the Cowboys just dominate this game. The Chiefs at the Bears, another interesting matchup that um, could be close, might not be. Uh, the reason we want to talk about this one is the Bears defense is still you know, rather good, considered rather good in this league. Could they stop Patrick Mahomes this week? That injury is still a bit of a looming question, even though he played just lights out this last week. Um, I am eating my words from earlier in the season where it seemed to me like the Chiefs had stalled out and might be done. They've they've been playing really, really Their well. Their defense. They've, again, yeah. the last four weeks, they've had the number one defense in the league. Yeah, they've been playing really, really well. Um, but so have the Bears. And... Again, this is my my 0% confidence pick, but I have the Chiefs definitely winning it, but uh, only 24-13. I, I just have a feeling Chicago is going to slow that offense down. Interesting. And we're both saying the Bears only score 13 points. Um, again, the Bears' offense depends on how much they get the ball to Tariq Cohen, how much they can get the ball down the field, how much Trubisky uses his legs um, to make that offense more effective and to get those first downs when they need them. But yeah, I'm saying that the Chiefs put up 30 points. I think Mahomes has a great game. I think um, they do what they need to do to score a lot on this Bears defense. So I say Chiefs 30, Bears 13. And our last game of the week. So this is this is an exciting one. This is another one that we've been waiting for. Great divisional battle in the NFC North. Um, we have, again, I pick the Packers, you pick the Vikings. Why do you pick the Vikings in this one? I've said it a couple times throughout this podcast. I just don't think the Packers are good. Um, I really don't. And so... So it's more the Vikings being... Or sorry... It's less the Vikings being good. It's more the Packers not being yeah, good. Yeah, I just don't think the Packers are that good of a football team. And I do think the Vikings are good. Um, I was actually talking to someone today, and they told me that they think that if they played this game five times, the Packers would win three out of the five. Um, I would say I'd flip that. I think if they played this game five times, the Vikings would win three out of five. And I think in this situation, yes, the primetime Kirk Cousins, just shut up. They're undefeated care. at home, though. Yep, I just I don't care about the primetime thing. I don't care about... This football game is a divisional game that's really important for the Vikings to win if yep. they want to win this division, and I think they take it. And I, my guess would be it'll be a low-scoring one, twenty to seventeen. So well, relatively low-scoring. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. And yes, the Vikings, I believe, are undefeated at home right now. The Packers haven't looked hot lately, and yes, I, I'm admitting that. Last week I said the exact same thing. They weren't looking hot the last couple weeks, but they did beat the Bears. The Packers are finding ways to win. And no, they aren't pretty, but they're finding ways to win. They're, they got themselves in the playoffs by finding ways to win. I think they find a way to beat the Vikings this week. The Vikings um, are just a far better squad than the Bears, and the oh, Packers almost lost that game. That's the big... Fair enough. I get that. But to me, it feels like if they get the ball to Aaron Jones effectively, if they get the ball to Jamal Williams effectively, um, again, using their run to set up their pass, the amount of play-action plays they had where they got the ball downfield to Adams, it just go to show, or went to show that the running backs in Green Bay are the strength of their team. If the Vikings have any slip against their running backs, um, let any big run get away, allow the play action to beat them, I think the Packers have this game. I'm saying Packers 20, Vikings 17. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting one. We've got a lot of matchups to talk about, or that, you know, that we're worthy to talk about this week. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is a big week now. Week 16, the divisional battles are coming out. Playoff spots are going to determine. Seeding is getting determined. It's big. Yeah, definitely. Um, but of course, we want to highlight some tweets of the week because 
wouldn't be a, a fun episode without tweets of the week. <laughs> so Tom Brady tweeted out after Drew Brees broke the record that we were talking about earlier and said, congrats, Drew, couldn't be more deserving. Passing Peyton in anything is an incredible achievement and your records will be tough to beat, but it's worth trying with a winky face. This sort of hints that maybe Tom Brady's going to play longer just to try and chase some of those Drew Brees records. Maybe it's a joke, maybe it's not, but I'm curious how much uh, that sparks a competitive edge in Tom Brady to keep playing just to chase Drew Brees' records. Yeah, and you and I love seeing the gamesmanship. We yeah. love seeing players who are who are happy for each other, showing the friendship off the field, showing yeah. that um, football is is really a, it's a sport of brotherhood. That's that's a yeah. big part of what it is. So well, in recognition too, Peyton posted a video of him cutting his vegetables as he does for almost all of his records, and he's like, "What, Drew Brees? That one too? Are you kidding me?" So you know, it's it's again these quarterbacks that sort of grew up playing with each other, yeah. uh, or grew up in the NFL playing against each other, playing with each other, whatever, right? Um, yeah, seeing each other succeed, it's pretty cool when they recognize each other. Another big thing on Twitter this week circled around uh, one of my favorite players in the NFL. Um, people are just acknowledging Taysom Hill is a freak, and it's, he's messed up, and we don't really know what position he plays. That was kind of the question. You know, what does he do? Does he play QB? Does he There's play a wide compilation receiver? video of every single one of his plays, yeah. and none of the two were, were alike, really. Yeah, he is, he's so fun to watch. He scored six touchdowns on the year as this weird hybrid player. He's thrown four passes. I think he's caught like 17 balls or something, rushed it 11 times. He's he's so fun. Sean Payton has just found a kid who didn't really have a, a place on an NFL roster, and he's turned him into like actually a real weapon. It's true. And I was telling Daniel right before we started recording that I saw a tweet, and I just loved it. Can't remember who it was to give credit to that said this, but they said, there's going to be a point where I have to talk or sit down with my kid and explain to them what Taysom, Taysom Hill is, right? Like that question, mom, dad, where does a baby come from? It's going to be like, mom, dad, what position does Taysom Hill play? So for the fact that that's going to be a discussion in Louisiana in a couple of years, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, really love that. So anyways, time for our clues of the week. I am pulling ahead. Thank goodness. Yeah, I've got like no shot. Yep. <laughs> 18 and 15 to 15 and 18. So we still both suck, right but I suck less. Let's go. So we have three <laughs> clues again this week, focusing in on some of these really important games that we've talked about. So Adam, first of all, will the Bills force more turnovers than the Patriots on Saturday? I don't think so. I think we talked about it. Josh Allen is far more turnover prone than Tom Brady and the, the Patriots offense is. I think the Patriots force more turnovers than the Bills. Yeah, I think this is our easy clue of the week. The Patriots defense has been a turnover machine. They had uh, four interceptions last game. They have 25 on the season. It's just absurd. Uh, clue number two then. Will the Bears defense hold Patrick Mahomes to less than 300 yards passing? I'm going to say yes, just because I think that the, the Chiefs get out to get off to an early lead. And I think in the second half, they don't need to throw the ball as much. I think they run the ball a lot more. Um, I could see him maybe coming in under 300 yards just because of that. Apparently, we should have uh, seen if we disagreed more on these before we put them on air. But I'm also going to say that they hold him under 300 yards. No chance yards. for me to come back into this. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, again, Mahomes has still been very good, but he has not been the 400-yard, four-touchdown-a-week kind of monster that he's been and. Um, again, this he could hasn't be, had to be though. No, exactly. And this could be wrong so quickly. Tyree Kill could catch an 80 yard touchdown pass on the first play from scrimmage. That's possible. Sure. And, and that could ruin everything. But um, I think the Bears will hold him under 300. Not much, but I think they'll hold him. For sure. This one I think might be a, a differentiator between us. Oh, right. I have to read it. Yeah. <laughs> will Aaron Tradition. Jones have 50 yards rushing and receiving against the Vikings? I think yes. I think again. He's the the engine of that offense. I think that they're going to get him involved. Eckler, 
I don't think he had 50 yards rushing and receiving, but he had like 62 yards receiving, something like that. I see Aaron Jones facilitating that similar role. I think he does. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give a no on this one. Um, honestly, just because I think... At least one point in difference. Yeah, I think game flow will be a big thing. Um, watch Aaron Jones get up 12 carries for 48 yards and three touchdowns. Like that seems possible to me, <laughs> but um, I think that the... Yeah, the odds of him going 50-50 is, is a little low. Um, Interesting. We just wanted to close off this episode. The The Pro Bowl rosters went live last night, and as always, there were some some shocking decisions. There were some guys left off who shouldn't have been. So as we close, we just want to quickly give you one name each that, that we could not believe we didn't see on the roster, and we're not going to argue about it because, trust me, when Adam says his name, I want to yell at him. <laughs> yeah gonna start things off if you're a tampa bay bucks fan we feel you why is Jameis winston not on the pro bowl roster he's had better numbers than rogers as far as everything except for interceptions i feel like he's uh second in the league in touchdown passes with 30 um he doesn't have that great of a completion percentage in comparison to the rest of the league but he gets the ball down the field he's leading the nfl in passing yards it felt like this is when Jameis winston should be recognized for being that gunslinger that he is yes he has 24 turnovers which is largely the reason that he he may not have made the roster and because it's kind of a stupid voting system but anyways i'm uh quite pissed that Jameis winston did not make the pro bowl daniel you can hate me all you want yeah, i'm, but I I'm said happy Jameis winston didn't make the pro bowl but i'm gonna go Kirk same Cousins. conference, yeah, same conference, same position. The fact that Kirk Cousins didn't make it is just proof that Pro Bowl voting is an absolute sham. The fans should not decide who gets to play in this game, especially because there are contract bonuses on the line with this yeah. stuff. Aaron Rodgers has not been remotely competitive statistically with Kirk Cousins. He's, Kirk Cousins has just been better. He was in the MVP race at one point. Even there, no one he's 18 about yards it. ahead of Rodgers passing. He has, I think, one more touchdown pass. He has three more interceptions. But for the most part, their stats are pretty similar. But you again, it's Rogers' name, it's Cousins' name. That's yeah, okay. What, that's what it Apparently, I had the statistics a little off, but even just in terms of um, completion impact, percentage and yards per attempt, are like Cousins is favorable. Yeah, there we go. So I don't like it. I, Kirk Cousins deserved a spot. Pro Bowl voting is dumb, but that's that's what you that's what you get with All Star games. So. Of course, staying with the quarterbacks because quarterbacks are quarterbacks. Yeah. Devin McCourty was kind of a miss as well. Josh Jacobs was a miss. Yeah. I mean, he's more productive than uh, Mark Ingram this year. Tyron Matthews being talked about as defensive player of the year wasn't a safety on the roster as well. So there were quite a few missed. misses. We recognize that. Um, Kendricks for the Vikings too, not being there. Like there were a lot of guys that were pretty PO'd, um, not just them, but their teammates about not making the roster. So anyways, it'll be a fun game. Uh, players will come in as alternates. No, it it's never a fun game. It's fun in the sense that you don't have to care and you get to see a lot of talent on True. the field at one time, right? But anyways... Yeah, with that, it's it's been a week, and it's it's about to be another one, man. Football is so fun this time of the year, and um, we're we're so appreciative that you know you join us to to hear about um, the games that that you've watched and to look forward to the games that you're going to be watching soon. And we have football Saturday, Sunday, Monday this week, so that's going to be a ton of fun to have three straight days of of really solid NFL football. Um, but yeah, once again, we just want to just share how thankful we are for the opportunity to do this. Um, we love that there are, there are people who choose to take time out of their weeks to listen to us, to, to follow the NFL with us, and um, you know maybe even win some fantasy games because of some of our picks. To be honest, I doubt it. But you know, you never Give know. Give us credit. Yeah, no, we thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you all again next week.